0: Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, we're just about ready to get started with the council. Uh, so glad you're here for the show. We're just about to start. <laughs> just waiting for one more camera to come on. And as soon as that happens, good afternoon. Welcome to the council. I am Charlie Pacello, your host. And we have got an amazing, amazing show today. I've got an incredible guest next to me. And uh, first of all, I just want to uh, do a quick shout out to REMAX Alliance. REMAX Alliance is the sponsor of the show. If you want to buy a home in Colorado, you've got to go to the number one real estate agent in this whole state, which is REMAX Alliance. Uh, We know them personally, and uh, they're outstanding people, amazing people. So go to www.homesincolorado.com. That's homesincolorado.com. And if you need to buy or sell a home, they are the people who you just got to go to. They're the best. They're the best of the best. So thank you, REMAX Alliance. Again, um, go to homesincolorado.com. Today's show is about uh, raising our confidence, raising our self-esteem. And it's one of those things that so many of us out there have a very difficult time being able to, to cultivate, to establish, to Uh, know our our goodness, know our our self-worth and you know we may have all this smarts and being really funny and having a good heart and you know really wanting to do things for people and you have these ideas that you could solve all the you know these problems or you have a a great idea where you might be able to you know tell a funny story or you might want to be able to you know make a new project a new endeavor but something stops you from living to your full potential. Something holds you back. And why? You know, something inside of you, deep inside, tells you that you're not, you're not worthy of it, that, you, that you're not good enough. You see other people, you start making comparisons to, to what they're doing, and you're like, well, I can't do that. They do it so much better. So you don't even try. You don't even make the effort to go do that. And, and sometimes, you know, you'd want to be able to have like a good, healthy relationship, but you're just afraid to be able to take those steps. And it keeps us from being able to live genuine, authentic lives. And, and it's this nagging feeling that you're not worthy. That you're not worthy of greatness or accolades or great joy or great happiness. And, and low self-esteem and, and self-confidence keeps you from living your life at its fullest. Norman Vincent Peale says, You've got to believe in yourself and have faith in your abilities. Without a humble but reasonable confidence in your powers, you cannot be successful or happy. And, but it's really about being authentically you. You know, for, as children or at different times in our lives, we, we get uh, shamed for something that we felt uh, was something that we really loved. And so we never tried and never ventured out again. And it's really about go, going out there and being yourself and having the courage to be you regardless of what anybody else says. You've got to protect your dreams. Those are your dreams. You, if, if no one's going to protect your dreams but you. And so if you're not going out there and, and living life courageously, uh, we've got to find those steps to help us to, you know, give us that sense of self-worthiness and confidence to be able to embark on the journey of our life. You know, Gabby Douglas says you just have to be yourself and go with full confidence and be courageous. Well, that sounds really easy to do and it sounds great, but how do we do that? You know, I, I, I know it may not seem this way now, but I suffered from a lot of low self-esteem and confidence of a good majority of my life. I started out all right, but something happened. Something along the way I got uh, I, I lost faith in myself and I couldn't trust th- that I what I was doing was uh, was helping anybody or serving anybody and you know I started into acting one time there was I was in an acting and uh, I thought I was I was just getting started it was just after I got out of the service mm-hmm. and I was out there performing and thinking I was doing great and I was putting these actions into this direction and I was playing this uh, I think I was playing king I was in um uh, the win- the, uh, the Lion in Winter. So I was playing Henry Second, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm doing all this stuff, and the acting instructor behind there says, Charlie, I, says, uh, I love what you were trying to do, but I got absolutely nothing out of that.
1: Ooh.
0: Absolutely nothing. And it, my, my self-esteem just went and just plummeted. And so it took me a lot of time to get over that and as well as to keep going. It's really about persistence and practicing and never giving up. And every time that life knocks you down, you got to give back up again. And, you know, it's not going to always be sunshine and rainbows. Life is going to, you know, just knock us down sometimes. And, uh, you know, and it's really about digging deep within us to be able to say, you know what, this is something that my heart wants to do, and I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to get better and better and better at it until, you know, I can be proficient and you stay in and, and all of a sudden that becomes a part of you. But what often happens is that so many of us stop doing it. We get, we get down on ourselves one or two times, three times, and we don't try again. And, you know, self-esteem is defined as a realistic respect for our, or favorable impression of oneself. It's self-respect. And while it seems that loving oneself is a basic act that should go without saying— it is often an ability that is taken for granted by those who don't struggle with it. Being confident and having self-esteem does not mean that you're perfect, but that you have made the conscious decision to love yourself regardless of your faults and shortcomings. And you know, we have to look at people who have been able to overcome major challenges and uh, crises in their lives to become the people they were meant to become. And You know, one of my favorite inspirational stories of someone who was able to overcome uh, low self-esteem and confidence was Abraham Lincoln. And he overcame setbacks and obstacles on his journey. That uh, if you take a look at the synopsis of his life, uh, you can see, I mean, what he had to do to dig deep, to have the courage to continue on. Now, Abraham Lincoln, we're just going to go through some of the things that he had to face in his life. He was born in 1809. In 1816, Abraham Lincoln's family was forced out of their home and he needed to work to support his family. In 1818, his mother died. In 1828, his sister dies. In 1831, a business venture failed. One of two business ventures. In 1832, he ran for the state legislature and he lost. In 1832, in that same year, He also lost his job, and he decided he wanted to go to law school, but he couldn't get in. In 1833, he borrowed money from a a friend to start a business, but by the end of that year, he was completely bankrupt. In 1834, he ran for the state legislature again. This time, he won. In 1835, it looked like things were getting better as he was engaged to be married. Unfortunately, his fiancee died and was and he was completely grief stricken. In eighteen thirty-six, he had this was the year that he had a complete and total nervous breakdown. And for six months was lying in bed. He was completely bedridden. Now this was he became the president. In eighteen thirty six, he sought to become speaker of the state legislature. He was defeated. In eighteen forty, he sought to become elector. He was defeated. In 1842, he gets married to a woman named Mary Todd. They have four boys, but only one of them would live to maturity. In 1843, he ran for Congress and lost. In 1846, he ran for Congress again. He won and he moved to Washington. In 1848, he ran for reelection to Congress and he lost. In 1849, he sought the job office, or excuse me, he sought the job of a land officer in his home state. He didn't get the job. In 1850, his son Edward dies. In 1854, he ran for the Senate of the United States and he lost. And then in 1856, he sought the vice presidential nomination at a national convention. He got less than 100 votes. And in 1858, he ran for the Senate again. And he lost again And in 1860 Abraham Lincoln was elected president of the United States And in 1862 His son Willie dies at age 12 So Abraham Lincoln had all of these challenges And all of these things that was Just crushing to his self-esteem To his self-confidence Any one of these steps along the way He could have said that's it I'm not going again I'm not going to try again And it's amazing how much he went through to keep going. A lot of people would have given up just at the first failed business. But Abraham Lincoln is an example of why you can't let setbacks knock you down in your life. And his life made a difference in the world just like yours can if you just keep going after your dreams. No one can do it but you. Everybody has to walk their own path. And oftentimes... We'll have, you know, challenges and people's struggles about that. And one of the things that I love about certain stories, you know, that share about the struggles of life, that we're all going to have those kinds of challenges. And this one story I thought was really worthy of sharing at this point. And it's about how we deal with the struggles of our life and how our perspective on things can really make a difference. So the story is about a daughter and a a father and a daughter. And this daughter complained to her father that her life was miserable and that she didn't know how she was going to make it. She was tired of fighting and struggling all the time. And it just seemed that one problem was solved. Another one would soon follow. So the father, who was a chef, decided to bring her into the kitchen. And he filled three pots with water and placed each of them into the fire. And once the three pots had begun to boil, he placed a potato in one pot. He placed a hard-boiled, he placed an egg in another pot, and then he placed coffee beans in the other. And he let them sit for a while, without saying a word to his daughter. And the daughter moaned and complained and impatiently wondered what he was doing. And you know how kids can be, like, oh, what is, what is dad doing or what is mom doing? And after 20 minutes, he turned off the burners, and he took the potatoes out of the pot and placed them in a bowl. He pulled the eggs out and he placed them in a bowl. He took the potatoes out, placed them in a bowl, and he laid the coffee out and placed it in a cup. And he turned to his daughter, and he said, Daughter, what do you see? And the daughter says, Potatoes, eggs, and coffee. She kind of hastily replied. He says, Look closer. He said, And touch the potatoes. And she did. And noticed that they were soft. He then asked her to take an egg and break it. And after pulling off the shell... She observed the hard-boiled egg. Finally, he asked her to sip on the coffee, this rich aroma, smile that it brought to her face. And she says, like, Father, what does that mean? He then explained that the potatoes, the eggs, and the coffee beans had each faced the same adversity, the boiling water. However, each one reacted differently. The potato went into the water strong, hard, and unrelenting. But in boiling water, it became soft and weak. The egg was fragile, with the thin outer shell protecting the liquid on the inside until it was put into the boiling water. Then the inside of the egg became hard. However, the ground coffee beans were unique. After they were exposed to the boiling water, they changed the water and created something new. Which one are you? He asked his daughter. When adversity knocks on your door, how do you respond? Are you a potato, an egg, or a coffee bean? So life is going to—it's going to happen. You know, things happen around us, things happen to us. But the only thing that truly matters is how we choose to react to it. What makes what, what you make out of it? It's about learning to lean and adopt and convert our struggles into something positive. And. We have to be able to learn how to overcome our self-esteem issues and our sense of of, of being unworthy. And the antidote is to take steps towards building our self-confidence. These are some steps to help you. One is to stop comparing yourself. You just got to start being you. Relax and just go with the flow. You don't stress about the little things. You got to love yourself. You are a gift. You are a miracle. Your heart beats 100,000 beats per day. You don't even have to think about it. Breathing, you don't even have to think about. When you're asleep, you're breathing. You don't even have to think about it. it, it there's a life force that moves within you that keeps you going. Nothing would be the same if you didn't exist. You've got to have be positive and have a great outlook in every situation. And you've got to do what you love. You know what you love. And, that, and life is too short to waste your time doing anything otherwise. Now, before we start talking to my amazing guest here today, I just want to make a quick announcement that we are broadcasting live on KUHSDenver.com. That's KUHSDenver.com. We are broadcasting all across Denver, the nation, the world, touching lives everywhere uh, through our music, through our programs, and just want to thank you for tuning in today. So on the council today, we are going to dive into how to create and sustain confidence. My very special guest here is J.C. Tramit. Uh, she is a licensed professional counselor and therapist in Golden, Colorado. And she has been practicing for 15 years, specializing in anxiety and working with cus- couples. Her website is www.cultivateconfidence.com. That's dot com, and she is passionate to help people overcome their self-esteem and self-confidence issues and begin to live the life they were meant to live. So welcome, JC. Thank you for coming on the show with me today.
2: Thanks for having me, Charlie.
0: <laughs> so please tell uh, the audience just a little bit about your background, uh, how you got into the work that you're doing, and... Mm-hmm. What inspired you? What what moved you into this work?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that is a good question. I think it, I've always kind of been called to be a, a therapist and work with people. Mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed, enjoyed talking to people. But uh, back in 1997, I did a program called Teach for America, and I was sent to Houston, Texas, to teach in an inner-city school there. And I did that for a couple of years, and I to this day have the utmost respect for teachers and what they do, and I just thought, wow, this is really, really hard. I don't think I can keep doing this. Mm -hmm. What else am I going to do? And I thought, you know, if I could do what I love about teaching, but do it with one person at a time, Mm. (laughs) instead of 28 (laughs) on one, that might be a better fit for me. So I decided to apply to graduate school, and I went to Naropa University in Boulder, which I feel very fortunate to have had the opportunity to be educated there. And that sent me on my path of becoming a, a counselor.
0: Wow. Now, what made Naropa unique? What was it that, uh, ch- that you chose that school rather than some other school?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Naropa is unique because it was started by a Tibetan Buddhist.
0: Oh, wow. Nice.
2: <laughs> so, yeah.
0: I have, a, uh, I have, as you know probably from uh, many of the get- people who are tuning in, I just did a show um, but back two, two shows back, talking about the P- Tibetan Buddhist monks that uh, are you know, achieving and doing some phenomenal things like the Rainbow Body and other things that, I mean, there's a practice there that goes back a long, long time and being able to learn how to be self-controlling, to be present, to being completely in, uh, not not in your senses, but uh, re- reducing the, the chaos that's going on in the mind. And mm-hmm. uh, so we both have a very strong affinity for them.
2: So. Yes, <laughs> yes. So... Yeah, I feel very fortunate. So the man who started that school is named uh, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, and he brought with him what he learned in Tibet, mm-hmm. and he shared it because he wanted to help people not suffer so much. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Well, and there's so many people who are suffering, and uh, some of these things that you learn from the East uh, are uh, can really help to break this stranglehold, that life, this fast-paced life that we have that keeps us locked in our minds. Keeps us locked in that fast-paced life and keeps that anxiety on high alert all the time. We're we're constantly on high alert. And was there any particular story, a personal story, that inspired you to become a therapist? Was there something that you had to overcome? Often, you know, like the work that I do, I had experienced trauma. I had a lot of trauma that I experienced, and that helped me to take those lessons that I had learned into the work that I do today. Uh, working with vets and working with others who who have suffered from trauma, mm-hmm. is there some story that uh, that you could share uh, that uh, mm-hmm. led you to this work
2: I wouldn't say there's one specific story, but I would say that growing up, you know I always kind of felt like I was faking it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I was pretending mm-hmm. like I felt confident and I was pretending like I knew what I was doing, mm-hmm. and I could often put forward a good front, but on the inside, I felt like I was falling apart yeah. and uh I was always nervous that somebody was going to find out just how nervous and anxious and broken I was. And, uh, you know, at some point that just becomes untenable, right? You just don't want to live like that anymore. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I went to Naropa that I felt like I actually had some education about how to work with what it's like to be a human being. Mm -hmm. So. You know, It took it took a while mm-hmm. before I was able to find the, the information that I needed that worked for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's so hard, you know, and I think so many people, we both have gone through that, where you're putting on <clears throat> a face for the outside world, and you're seeming to fit in, and you're people-pleasing, and you're making sure that mm-hmm. other people are feeling good at your own expense, and, and that becomes a habit pattern, and on the inside, you're so tormented. You're hurting so bad because you're—you don't feel like uh, you're being authentic. You don't feel like you're being true to yourself. Something is wrong,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: you're so tormented and tortured inside.
2: Yeah, exactly, it creates a tremendous amount of suffering. Yeah, yeah.
0: So when um, you know people are lacking, on, what what uh, they're living lives of quiet desperation. So many people that are listening to the show and others. Uh, they don't have any hope for the future. And so, how can people start to change the way they feel about themselves? You know, what are some of the core issues that people have to face in order to break free from uh, these destructive, self defeating patterns that they've learned all through their lives in order to survive?
2: Right. Well, I mean, I think you said a lot of it in there in your question. You know, everybody's different, mm-hmm. first of all. Um, but we have to start looking at what are we saying to ourselves. We we all have this internal voice in our heads, this mm-hmm. inner critic that's just going non-stop about every little thing that we <laughs> do and every little thing that everybody else does and how people drive and the weather and, and on and on, right? And so a lot of times we're we're so used to that voice mm-hmm. that we're not even totally aware it's there. Mm-hmm. But it's running the show a lot of times. It's saying some really horrible and mean things about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we have to be aware of what we're telling ourselves, what we believe about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's different for everybody. And then I think we also have to learn how to work with our own emotions. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing we don't get taught. Nope. Nobody teaches us how to deal with emotions except for maybe that we should suppress them unless they're... Joy or happiness or excitement or something in that realm, right? Yep. Usually we get taught those are okay, but anger, grief, anxiety, sadness, any of that we 're just taught to shove it down right um, and over you know over a lifetime, the accumulation of that suppressed emotion starts to take a toll on us and who we are. so we have to be willing to look at that, we have mm-hmm. to kind of look at this backlog of repressed emotion that we all have. And then we have to figure out how to interact and engage with other people
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, do. we do we do yes and we were talking earlier you know these phones are such a thing they know we, it's a way people can you know disconnect dissociate from life we just mm-hmm. focus on our phones and we're going to look at this mm-hmm. and it's there's an addictive quality to it mm-hmm. that triggers things in our brains and we are losing the ability to be able to have a communication being able to talk from the heart. Being able to have authentic, real conversations.
2: Yeah, and connection. Yes. And I think we all, we all crave that. We all need that mm-hmm. in our lives. And when we don't have that, we're pretty miserable. And even if we have it, but we don't feel like it's really us that's mm-hmm. in the relationship, we still don't have it.
0: No. It is so important and to being conscious of what it is that are, is it, what your needs are. And being conscious of those feelings of uh, not being of those needs not being met, and you're only going to get there when you have a really good relationship with yourself, and having that true relationship with yourself, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: not trying to impress anybody else, not trying to be anybody else, and that's hard to unlearn. It's hard to step back from because we've been conditioned uh, to be to doing other things for other people, and so we live this split life. Mm-hmm. And that ruins and hurts our self-esteem, that hurts our self-confidence. And, you know, if you see, what are the symptoms that you see when you're working with clients, when they're coming into to working with you? How do you know when somebody is suffering from a, a sense of low self-esteem or, or mm-hmm. self-confidence?
2: Well, generally I know because, A, they tell me. Yeah. They're, 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 they're That's aware. That's usually a good indication. Yeah, they're just like, I feel, <laughs> you know, like crap about myself. Right. Um, whatever language they want to use or you know i can just tell by the way they describe how they react in different situations Mm -hmm. right so there's a a constant pattern of devaluing themselves and second-guessing themselves and you know having a sense that they don't deserve to be treated any better than they're being treated or Mm -hmm. they don't deserve to be happy or they don't deserve a better job or they don't deserve the kids they have. or I mean, it shows up in so many different ways, right? Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, but people people usually are pretty aware that they don't like themselves Mm -hmm. and that it's really painful and that they don't see any way out of it.
0: Mm -hmm. What do you think is one of the biggest lessons that people have to learn in order to increase uh, their self-respect, their sense of where where they're reclaiming that part of themselves that they've let go, you know, and... uh, what do you think is one of the first steps in order to reclaim our, our self-esteem?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think we have to become aware that we've all been pretty conditioned to attack our own vulnerability.
1: Mm. wow, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's what we do. When we feel vulnerable, we go on the offense and we're really, really self-aggressive. Yeah. And that is a deeply ingrained pattern as far as I can tell in most people in our culture and this idea of self-compassion is very foreign to people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's becoming more in the cultural awareness, I think, these yeah. days, um, but sometimes I ask people, it's like, well, what would it be like to have compassion for yourself, that you're going through this? And they yeah. look at me like I've got three heads. <laughs> 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 what does that mean? <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, so um, we get to start there, it's like, well, let's try to explore what that would be. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's easiest to get people to understand that from saying, what would you say to a friend who is going through this?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then sometimes I repeat out loud to the person what they've been saying about themselves. Mm-hmm. And I say, would you ever say that to your friend? Yeah. And pretty much everybody says, I would never say that to another human being. Mm-hmm. But we're saying it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we've got to learn to cultivate self-compassion, mm-hmm. and that also in turn helped, in turn helps with self-acceptance, um, mm-hmm. right? Because we in some level, we are who we are.
0: Yeah. Well, and we do. We say some of the most horrible, horrendous things about ourselves uh, in our in our private time, in our seclusion or isolation, in that night. And and these are the things that we would never say to another human being, but we're saying that to ourselves all the time. I'm never good enough. My gosh, I, you know, why did I say that to this person? How could I have said this? I was terrible at my presentation, and uh, you know, for for they're probably going to fire me. Or, you know, you're, you're really stupid. You're no good. All these things that we say to ourselves. And, or your dreams are not worthy. You know, we say that. You know, mm-hmm. why, I, that's, a, that's a pipe dream. I don't, my, my dreams are, that's a nice thing. But uh, that happens to other people. That doesn't happen to someone like me. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I call that sometimes the negative thought train.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're <laughs> right? we're
2: on to one negative thought, leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, and before we know it, there's all this momentum and speed, mm-hmm. and we're on the negative thought train. And yes. we don't know how to get off.
0: No. And it spirals down, and then it uh, affects our body because, of course, the body starts releasing chemicals and neurotransmitters and peptides, and that shoots out. so. Once you're on that thought train, all of a sudden your body's responding to that as well. So Mm -hmm. it starts to, you know, you're feeling sad, you're lethargic, you're enervated, you can't move, you feel sick, you're depressed. You know, depression is such a a key, almost indicator of someone who's not, uh, who doesn't have a good self-esteem is because you're depressed about it. And Mm -hmm. And it's usually trying to wake you up. It's like if you could look at depression as a friend. There's someone who's trying to say, listen, we need to look at this. What are, what's going on here? If you looked at it in that way, you could start making those steps of self-compassion, of self-confidence. Now, what is the difference uh, of, between self-esteem and self-confidence?
2: Yeah, well, that's a really good question. I had to think about that
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wanted you to think. I wanted to, you know, to think, to, to, you yeah. know, um, yeah. I mean, I suppose
2: suppose we could say on some level it could be semantics, but I think there is a difference. So, the way I see it is self-esteem is this generalized belief about yourself,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: like I have good self-esteem or I have bad self-esteem, right, or I have Mm -hmm. healthy self-esteem or not healthy self-esteem. So there's kind of this duality, right, it's either good or it's bad. right? Um, and I think of confidence more as a skill set.
1: Wow.
2: So it's a, a skill set that you acquire to navigate the extremely difficult task of being a human being. <laughs> in a human body, mm-hmm. with human emotions, on a planet that's in somewhat of a chaotic state. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Dealing with all the things we deal with, loss and, uh, you know, heartbreak Mm -hmm. and all of the things that life is going to throw our way. Nobody is immune from these things. Mm -mm. So how do we deal with that? So that's what I see as confidence, Mm -hmm. having the skill set to deal with the things that life is going to throw our way.
0: Well, it's so true. You know, life is. It's not going to be easy all the time. And. When somebody's been beaten down time and time again, whether it's uh, because they have tried all these different business ventures and every time they strike you know, they strike out there, they, they strike out. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so they lose confidence in their ability to, to be able to provide for and, and take care of their families. Uh, someone who's got, tried to get into school constantly and have, has been rejected, and that rejection... Uh, can really be we take make we turn that around and we say that there must be something wrong with me. I'm not smart enough. I can't do it, and so it turns into this that that negative thought train that that sends us into that very dark place. And or you're in a in a relationship that can be you know a, a abusive and, and controlling in those things, and so you're constantly trying to do the, make that person happy, trying to, to be everything for them. And it's, it's never enough. And so you lose that self-esteem. And so you work with couples as well. Mm-hmm. What are some of the steps that you do to help them uh, overcome some of these uh, esteem issues that, that uh, inevitably come up in high-conflict type of uh, in relationships? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, with couples, I'm a big advocate for learning to communicate, mm-hmm. changing the way you communicate. I tell people, if you change the way you communicate, with your partner, that's probably eighty percent of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach people nonviolent communication, which is a communication style writ- uh, developed by a guy named Marshall Rosenberg, mm-hmm. brilliant guy. And it's all about, you know, going from judgment to observation, saying what you feel. Connecting your feelings to your own needs and values rather than the other person's behavior. So we're taking responsibility now for our own experience rather than blaming our partner, which is kind of business as usual, usually and then making requests for concrete changes of behavior. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's it in a nutshell. Sounds simple. Actually, in practice, kind of hard to do. Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> we get set and ingrained in our ways. We and, do. And then when someone's trying to pull back in order to regain some sense of self-respect uh, and reestablishing those kind of boundaries that helps to, you know, preserve that integrity, uh, the other person can resist that, right?
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: because they've... they've been trained, we train people how to treat us. True, and and by doing that, when we're trying to reclaim that self confidence about ourselves, uh, it can be a bit of a struggle as you're reestablishing those boundaries. Right? Absolutely,
2: and you know, it, we want to blame other people for our feelings. <laughs> yeah. That's just—it's very seductive. You yeah. do this, so therefore, I feel this. The problem with that is, well, one, it's not actually accurate, but two, it is completely disempowering Mm
1: -hmm. because we have Mm -hmm. no
2: control over what other people are going to do, right? So we have to come back into ownership of our own experience. And that is actually, that helps people feel more confident.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Not just giving my authority away now to you that you're going to, you know, make me feel whatever it is that I feel.
0: Well, we often, I mean, that's, uh, I think, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with with Brene Brown, Dr. Brene Brown.
2: Yeah, she's awesome.
0: She's amazing. Mm -hmm. And in her research, she talks about how uh, blame is the discharge of pain and discomfort. Mm -hmm. And we want to discharge all that pain and discomfort onto somebody else. And it makes us feel better for a little bit, but then the pain yeah. comes right back. It doesn't go so. The, uh, you might really worse it feel worse in the end, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so, so we've got to find healthier ways to be able to do that and to acknowledge uh, our repressed emotions, our repressed feelings. Mm-hmm. By doing that, you start gaining confidence. You start out doing that by being able to, say, st- setting boundaries. You're not going to be treated in a certain way. How you treat other people is so important and you you want to treat people the way you want to be treated i mean it's the golden rule and it's actually it was it was said by confucius long before it was ever put into the bible and confucius was like the first one to articulate that we know of who talked about the golden rule i know you studied a lot of eastern traditions and it's an important part of your work so how did the study of eastern philosophy and And Buddhism and your combination with Western psychology, how did that, uh, how did you weave that all together? How did you uh, uh, integrate that into your practice? Mm -hmm.
2: Well, luckily, I mean, that was the focus of my program, Mm -hmm. right? So I have a degree in transpersonal psychology, which means beyond the personal. So, Mm -hmm. you know, holding space for a a greater perspective or spiritual perspective, while at the same time working to heal the self. So both being important. And, you know, I am so grateful, like I said, to that education. I mean, that education changed my life because I never knew that I could observe my thoughts.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: I never knew that what I was thinking wasn't me. I never knew how to deal with emotions. Mm -hmm. I never knew how to be really present in a room with someone instead of just being in my head. So all of the things I learned at Naropa are the foundation for how I work with people. I, I, it would be completely different if I had gone somewhere
0: else. <laughs> so. Well, it's so fantastic. JC is amazing. If any of you want to work with her, please go to her website at www.cultivateconfidence.com. Uh, Her heart is so open and beautiful and generous and kind, and I've known her since we were in junior high school. I know. That's crazy. That is crazy. We go back. Long time. One of these uh, friendships that last a lifetime. So um, one of the things that JC does that is so unique is she works with horses, and it's equine-facilitated psychotherapy, correct? correct? Yep, nailed it. And we have a little video that we're going to show Hi, uh, this play. is Charlie Pacella with the council, and we are here. Uh, you go ahead, but we're out with J.C. Tramett, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, is an expert who works with equine facilitated therapy, and here at the property where she works with clients and to meet uh, her horse uh, that she's got uh, that she works with. So, uh, J.C., could you tell us just a little bit about uh, the work that you do with horses?
2: Sure. Well, you can see Obi in the background there. He's my the main horse that likes to show up for this work,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. and he really likes it. Um, So a lot of of the work is helping people get out of their minds and into their bodies. Mm -hmm. In our modern culture, we spend a lot of time inside, and we spend a lot of time in our minds. Mm -hmm. And so being with horses is about getting outside and connecting with another living being but from the, the body rather
0: than the mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so. I mean, this place is so beautiful. I mean, you're, when you're outside, you hear the birds singing. Uh, the air is so fresh. I mean, you, you, it takes you out of that normal routine. And then when you're communicating with the animals uh, and learning how to communicate with the animals, you it gets you outside of yourself a little bit. It does. does it? it does. And, uh, yeah. Here in Colorado, you've got. Uh, I mean, you can't ask for a better place. Right? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's, uh, let's go meet Obi. Sure, I like,
2: yeah.
0: I mean, this is magnificent. Look at these animals. These animals are absolutely incredible. And, wow. Yeah,
2: so this is Obi. Hi, Obi. Short for Oberon. <laughs> I also like to call
0: him Obi-Wan Kenobi. Wow. he has that, <laughs> that wisdom about him. he uh, is so oh. And so when people come, how are they usually? You know, when they meet a horse, sometimes are they afraid or are they mm-hmm. nervous around horses? Because uh, they can be, if you're not used to it, they can be very imposing and, and, uh, and kind of scary sometimes. So how do you work with people in that in that situation?
2: Absolutely. Well, that's part of the process. So if people are scared of horses, mm-hmm. then we start there. So we start by feeling that right okay this is scary this is what scary feels like in my body which Mm -hmm. is really good information for people because sometimes people don't even totally know that Mm -hmm. right so they can take that into the world too like oh right now i feel scared
1: yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um but we just we start as far away back as the person feels safe so it's like okay if you feel scared where can you stand where you actually feel safe? Right. Okay, let's start there. Right. What does that feel like? Right. Where do you notice that? Right. right? And then we get comfortable there, and then we generally make a slow approach in, right? Uh, and yeah. maybe, you know, that could take one session, that could take a couple months. Yeah. Just depending, right? Yeah. But the, the point is that we're not, we're not overriding that person's own sense of safety.
0: Right. Well, no, no, that's important because... When you're trying to work and, and get people to feel comfortable in their bodies again and feel safe where they're at, you've got to be able to build that uh, confidence, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to build that confidence in being able to move forward uh, in your life, and, and the, the steadiness, the mag- majesty of a horse really seems to embody that. And You know, we feel animals, we feel those things, and so it's almost like there's a transference that happens um, that uh, steadily. As you're working with them, um, I'm sure it really makes a huge difference.
2: It does, yep. Horses are very in tune with uh, what's going on
1: mm-hmm.
2: because they're prey animals and that's how they survive yeah. in the wild. Their survival depends on them being present, them yeah. paying attention. What's going on with you? What's going on with me? What's going on 100 feet over there? Yeah. What's going on over there? They're just here. Yeah. They're here, and so when we're in that field, we—it's easier, I think, for people to to access that in themselves, because that's our nature too. But we are so caught up in our minds that we forget that that's our nature.
0: Oh my God, we forget that so much. And boy, when we can become present in our lives and take those lessons that you can learn from horses, our lives become miraculous because you live every moment. From moment to moment and you can see uh, the miracle that you are and the miracle that's around us and uh, it just makes life that much more rich it? It does. <laughs> all right we are coming back into studio and uh, we'll see you tomorrow all right okay, great uh, <laughs> that was uh, a video we shot yesterday and uh, it was such a delight to be there in the presence and working with uh, Oberon, uh, what a magnificent, a magnificent animal! And uh, we just uh, had an amazing time. Tell us a little bit about how you incorporated this into your modality. Why? How you got came to meet Oberon? All those kinds of things. Because mm-hmm. right? th- when you're in the presence of such a majestic animal like like Oberon is. Um, you know, there is medicine. Happens that transfers. I mean, you feel the strength and the gentleness of this of this creature, and they have, uh, you know, a lot of symbolism that's connected to the horse as well. So, mm-hmm.
2: uh,
0: I know I've shared a lot. Um, please, how did you meet uh, Oberon?
2: Well, that is a kind of a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. So, uh, when I was at Naropa, I was doing my own therapy, and I ended up working with a woman who offered. Equine facilitated psychotherapy. So people often ask me, you know, well, "Did you grow up with horses, or you know, did you grow up riding, or you a horse person?" And the answer to all those questions is no. I knew nothing about horses, um, <laughs> but I really wanted to try something different for mm-hmm. my therapy at, while I was at Naropa. And so I thought, okay, yeah, sure, I'll try it. And I didn't really have many expectations about it. Um, and when I actually did the work, I was pretty blown away by what it offered me in my own healing process. So I decided that I wanted to at least have that be an option for people mm-hmm. who were interested in working in a different way other than talk therapy. So I got my first horse and his name was Armano and he was an amazing, amazing soul. And he and Obi, short for Oberon, were best friends. Mm. So. Obi was owned by a different person at the time, and uh, they were inseparable, Mm. and they actually were co-leaders of the herd together. And I was very touched by the the depth of their friendship and connection. So when the woman who had Obi came to me said, I'm going to sell Obi, it wasn't so much for me as it was for Armando that I was like, oh, no, 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 we can't have that. So I... Asked around and finally found some people that would be willing to buy Obi, so he could stay at the ranch and stay with Mm Armando. And one of those people happens to be Chad Oxner (laughs) and his (laughs) lovely wife Becca, who are sponsors of the show. Yep, that's right. My own personal thanks to them. So that kind of was the beginning of my my relationship with Obi, and um, then Armando died my horse died and one of the people who had collaborated to keep obi asked me if i wanted to take their place in terms of you know being one of obi's people Mm -hmm. and i said yes immediately and from then on i feel like obi and i have just been we've just been tight so and he knew he was just waiting for me to catch up he he was kind of like when are you gonna Start bringing me into this, you know. like <laughs> yeah, are right. over there with Romano, but I'm I'm here too, and I've I've got the skills, and he does. He's got some amazing skills. So well, that's horses how I got
0: Obi. horses form incredibly deep bonds, right, with the the people that they feel you know that their owners are, and so what are some of the things absolutely uh, that, that being with this, such a magnificent animal as Oberon is. What are some of the benefits that people can get from being around uh, such an incredible animal?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it is very helpful to realize how often you're not present.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: When you're around horses, you really need to be present because mm-hmm. otherwise you can get hurt. You can get stepped on, you mm-hmm. can get pinned between a horse and a fence, you can get bit, You can get all kinds of stuff can happen. Yeah. So horses really... Force the issue of be here, be with me, be present, pay attention. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard thing to do, right? I mean, meditation practice is so much about noticing when you've gone away and coming back. So I think being around horses makes the time we go away less frequent and for less duration. So Mm -hmm. it helps us cultivate our own presence. It also helps us feel what it's like to be loved unconditionally.
0: No, my God! There was a uh, a picture that uh, JC captured yesterday that uh, epitomizes that sense of unconditional um, love. And where uh, I was just I was with Oberon, uh, and uh, I was feeding him, and we had such a strong connection. We just um, both really liked each other right from the beginning. (laughs) That's true. um, And I was feeding him. And he was eating out of my hand, and after he he ate out of my hand, we just had this moment where we we were touching our heads Mm -hmm. uh, together, and it was just, and there was like this radiating of love and feeling. And it's true, you get outside of yourself, you feel the the, the safety and the strength and uh, the gentleness of such a magnificently strong and powerful uh, being. And I think sometimes we often confuse in our own lives that, or we think that in order to be strong, we have to be aggressive. In order to be strong, we have to be, you know, win at all costs and and step on people to get to the top or whatever it may be. But you can actually embody strength and gentleness all at once. I mean, I just found that to be so incredibly powerful when I was standing next to Oberon. Do you have, do, do others feel that same way when you're working with them? Where they're, I mean, sometimes I'm sure some people are, are afraid mm-hmm. of getting mm-hmm. next to such a, a large animal. Uh-huh. But is I that, hear that a lot. <laughs> he's big. <laughs> <laughs> he's really big. He is. He's big. Yeah. He's, he's, he's huge. Yeah, he's huge. And, uh, but what is, what are some of the uh, common um, things that people take away from being with, uh, with something, having an experience like that?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, like I said, everybody's different, but I think that most people get to have an experience of genuine connection, Mm. right? So a lot of times in our human relationships, we have doubts about the genuineness of our connection, Mm -hmm. probably in part because we're having trouble being authentic ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? But you know, we think, oh, this person just wants to be in relationship with me because I'm their boss, or this person just wants to be in relationship with me because um, I watch their kids, or whatever it is, right? They, we we doubt that people just want to be with us for us. Yeah. And so, <laughs> with horses, right? All of that goes away. Yeah. The horses just being authentic and being real. And if the horse wants to come and show up and be with you and, and put its head against yours, and I, I want to remind you, you did that even before you fed him, yeah. when you first met him. So there's something about the genuineness of that that gets transmitted yeah. that helps people relax and, and get this sense of, oh, like who I am is okay. yeah, Because this other being wants to be with me, this beautiful, majestic, amazing being is choosing to walk across the pasture to see me and to say hi. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that genuineness that really impacts people. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think it's that genuineness that is so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're struggling with in our culture and our society right now. As people are breaking away from uh, dysfunctional patterns and really trying to turn inward and find that authentic self, and it it takes steps. It's uh, it's you know it's not easy making those kinds of transformations, and so working with uh, you know with OB Oberon mm-hmm. uh, helps you to get that sense of wow. Yes, it, it does. This is how it feels. This is what yeah. it's like to just be loved for who you are, yeah. and not trying to be anything else for anybody else. Not trying to just being. This is what it's like, and when we can become used to that then that becomes a new barometer for us that yes. becomes a new way of being for us and mm-hmm. so then it's like no wait a second i understand what it's like to just be loved unconditionally for who i am yeah. and animals can teach us that your dog was able to teach that as i know well, so. she's
2: another great teacher <laughs> of that is. she's amazing so yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the name oberon is that from shakespeare
2: you or? Know. That's a good mm-hmm. question. Summer, nice tree? I think I I think it means um, leader of the fairies or something. Yeah, like that. it's the leader of the fairies. Yeah, that, yeah. That's yeah. uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> so. Isn't that awesome? That's so awesome. Big, I think huge massive presence <laughs> yeah. is the leader of the fairies. <laughs> I think that's so great.
0: <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. You've got to go visit and, and and get some time and start working with JC. And experience uh, being with the leader of the fairies. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Um, And, you know, if there is just, we're coming close to the end here, if there's one piece of advice, one bit of wisdom that you could give people that are Mm -hmm. listening to this show, they're listening from all over the world, we have uh, from every continent uh, except Antarctica, what would you say?
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, another really great question. I think I would say that you shouldn't believe everything you think Mm. and whatever it is that you think about yourself you know whatever it is that you've done that you can't forgive yourself for or something that's been done to you that you feel like you can't recover from just know that that's not true Mm -hmm. and that things can heal and things can be let go of and that there is hope for things to change because the nature of things is impermanence Mm -hmm. So, we have to be willing to let go of those beliefs about ourselves that we're so used to having define ourselves, Mm -hmm. that in a weird way we're attached to, and be open to a different way of being, and to know that's possible.
0: (sighs) Breathe that in, that is Mm -hmm. so beautiful, Mm -hmm. so, so beautiful. Mm Just a couple quick announcements before we're going to have a little meditation blessing. We've got uh, about three minutes, if you could do a little thing for us. Um, We are broadcasting live on KUHSDenver.com. That's KUHSDenver.com. They are the hosts of our show here, and we are so grateful to be here. The council is so grateful to have this uh, platform, and uh, we are touching lives all over Colorado all over the country um, and all over the world with our music and our programs. Uh, if you ever want to work with me, we can do that at any time. I work with people all over, co- couples counseling, life coaching, uh, psycho psychospiritual, which is a transpersonal method uh, for trauma, for, for conflict resolutions. Please look me up at www.CharliePacella.com. That's C-H-A-R-L-I-E-P-A-C-E-L-L-O.com. And we're going to go ahead and do a quick blessing right now, and uh, what an amazing time. I can't believe how fast it goes. It did go fast. Um, and if you would please uh, give us a quick blessing before we um, before we close the show. Okay,
2: um, so i are just going to do a, a brief mindfulness practice. Okay. So, wherever you are out there, sitting in your chair, or you can do it standing. Start by listening to the sound of the singing bowl and noticing just for a moment that you can observe your thoughts. So What does your mind want to think about? Does it want to go to the past? Does it want to go to the future? Just noticing. And then inviting your attention to rest in the present moment. A really easy way to do that is to pay attention to the breath. The breath is with us at all times and in all situations, so it's always available. Noticing what it feels like to breathe in and breathe out. eventually what will happen usually sooner rather than later is that the mind will wander away from the breath it'll go back to the past or it'll go forward to the future and that's normal that's what the mind likes to do so we notice that you can say to yourself thinking can label it as such and then return your awareness back to your breath giving yourself just a few moments to be rather than to do. minds all over the place that's really normal that's why we practice coming back it's not so much about getting the mind to stop thinking as it is to redirect our attention to the present moment again and again if when you come back to your breathing, if you can come back in a kind way. This is a part of practicing self-compassion. Noticing how we come back. Hear different things in your environment that's a part of the present moment, just noticing that body sensations also a part of the present moment, paying attention to what's happening right now. How we began by following the sound of the snail. Wow!
1: Wow!
0: Wow! wow. Hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. That was amazing, JC. Thank Thank you, thank you, thank you. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Uh, Folks, I hope you found some serenity with that. I certainly did here in the studio. We are out of time. Thank you for being here, JC. Please look her up at uh, uh, CultivateConfidence.com. That's CultivateConfidence.com. Remember, if you're not the hero of your own story... Then you're missing the whole point of your humanity. Keep going out there. Protect your dreams. They're your dreams and go after them. Fine. Take those steps to building self-confidence and there is nothing that can't stop you. Uh, Thank you for being here uh, on the council. Uh, We will be back on the air in two weeks. We are going to be having Dr. Edward Tech on the show again. And we are going to be talking about healing the war within the soul. Uh, it's a show you'll definitely not want to miss and uh, so thank you again JC. thank you charlie (laughs) and may you all be well may you all be free of pain and suffering may you all be whole thank you the council is adjourned god bless we'll see you in two weeks Thank you. thank you folks again um for tuning in internationally this is the camera thank you so much i uh, hope you enjoy the show the show sure wouldn't be here without you so please spread the word spread the word about the council this is a council for all peoples all over the world to bring to uh, the table um, all of our voices so that we get to have one voice uh, for all peoples everywhere i'm charlie Pasello, your host and we'll see you again in two weeks